Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and, e- and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in accordance to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is his leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. I'm going to lead us in prayer as we start. After I've sorted my headset out. Father, we just prayed, uh, speak, O Lord. Father, we thank you for the great privilege it is to come and hear your voice in your word. And we pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would help us to hear these words rightly, to understand them, and Father, to live them out, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to start by introducing you to a difficulty I had for a number of years uh, after I became a Christian. Um, when I became a Christian, um, my life uh, changed from, I was a non-Christian, went to church, became a Christian, and things changed quite dramatically. But then after I became a Christian, I wasn't quite sure what I was meant to be doing. Um, it was a bit like, uh, if I could draw a graph, uh, you know, I like sort of graphs and things, it helps me understand. So, um, oh, what's that? There we are. It was a bit like this. If you could plot a graph of um, time against excitement, I don't know what that would be, E, um, the kind of really exciting thing happened right here uh, the moment I became a Christian. So life was like, like that, that um, and then very exciting. And then I knew that there was going to be some exciting things in the future, that God had promised a new creation. So that's going to be, you know, this is not to scale. It's going to be exciting up there as well. But the question is, what am I meant to be doing here? Am I meant to go back down to that, or am I meant to sort of plateau? Uh, what, how do I get to this bit? What am I meant to be doing in the gap of my lives? Now, I know you look at me and you think you're really old, so it doesn't really matter. You've only got a couple of years at most anyway. But a lot of you are pretty young, aren't you? And a lot of you have got many decades, we hope, uh, before you meet the Lord in person. We don't know that, but uh, that's the expectation. And the question is, what do we do? What do you do in the gap? A lot of you will be planning what you'd like to do with your life, what you'd like to do as a career, uh, what you would like to, where you would like to live, uh, where you kind of imagine yourself in 10, 15, 20 years. And what Paul does in these chapters, which we're going to look at over the next few weeks, is show us what the gap looks like, 
how we're meant to live uh, after uh, we've come to know Jesus Christ. And here we see in our passage today that it's about worshiping, not waiting, serving, not observing, and transforming, not conforming. See, first of all, it's about worshiping, not waiting. Now, I wonder what image comes into your head when I say the word worship. Uh, Perhaps it's something like this, of people praising at some worship concert. Or perhaps if you're a bit more old-fashioned, it's like this. It's a cathedral with someone spraying incense around. But actually, what Paul speaks about when he speaks about worship is very different. Have a look at verse 1 in chapter 12. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your body as, as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. See, Paul says that worship is about service. Now, when he calls us a sacrifice, uh, he's not saying that we need to kind of get the knife out or anything like that. He's speaking about the Old Testament sacrifices. And the moment an animal was set apart as a sacrifice, they were considered holy, special for God's purposes. And that's incredible, wasn't it? The moment we become a Christian, we too are considered holy and set apart for God. But why does Paul talk about worship in that way? Uh, Why worship? Well, worship, in fact, isn't just the kind of thing that religious people do. Um, The word worship uh, actually means worth, giving worth to something, worth-ship. If you don't believe me, that's from Google. It must be true. So, and, and that takes place not only in churches, but all over the world. Everyone worships. It happens, for example, on a Saturday at Old Trafford, at the Emirates, uh, at, uh, I'm trying to think of other stadiums, uh, but uh, all sorts of places. Uh, when we see someone do something fantastic on the football pitch, uh, they score a goal in the right goal, uh, we cheer, don't we? We give worth to them. We celebrate their achievements. We worship. And Paul says, actually, that is the same for Christians. It's just a question of what we're worshiping. See, he says, in view of God's mercies, given that God has done something fantastic, that we're to worship with our lives. Now, when he says we're to sacrifice our lives, he means the whole of our lives. He speaks about bodies, but that means the whole of us. And so that means our careers, our money, what we'd love to do with our world, who we'd like to, uh, what lives, uh, who we'd like to meet, The whole of it, he says, is to be worshipped, is to be lived under God. I remember years ago, I was at a church and uh, met a guy, he was a bit younger than me, and um, he was talking about how the previous year, he and his uh, wife had gone traveling around the world. And uh, they were really excited about this trip until they met their curate, who said to them, that sounds very exciting, but um, how are you going to worship God that year? And I guess their faces fell a bit because they'd not thought of it at all. But actually, it was a really eye-opening question for him. And he was really glad he was asked it. Now, of course, it is a fun thing to travel and it's not a wrong thing at all. But he had to think, how does that bring glory? How does that worship bring worship to God? Now, how do we worship, uh, you might ask? Well, secondly, we see it's about serving, not observing. Now, we're going to jump ahead a little bit here to verse 6, 
where Paul gets into the, uh, how this kind of works. He talks in verse 6 about gifts we have in the church. Uh, verse 6, he says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in accordance to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve, and so on and so forth. See, Paul says that true worship is not about looking at ourselves, but looking at others. See, notice how he talks about these gifts in verse 7 onwards. If it is uh, serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. Uh, You know what I mean. Uh, If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. See, all those gifts, he says, use for the benefit of others. All your talents use to build your neighbor up. See, that is what true worship looks like. Now, I'm going to introduce you to a fancy word, which you can impress your friends with uh, at school, or maybe not. Um, It's the word uh, incovasus in C. Now, if you're a Latin speaker, I'm sorry for just committing a crime there, Uh, but uh, it's a Latin phrase that means curved in on ourselves. Now, the way to remember this is to think of the quaver, a classic crisp. Uh, The quaver, the fun thing about the quaver is it's curved in on itself, and you get all sorts of curves and curls uh, as you open the packet. But actually, this isn't great, because what um, theologians say when they talk about this is that actually, as human beings, we're curved in on ourselves, that we're designed to worship God, our Creator, but instead we look downwards, we look to ourselves, and things end pretty badly. In fact, in in chapter 1, Paul says this, we exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator. So actually, the big problem with our world is that we've curved in on ourselves. We've looked at downwards. We've elevated things in this world to the place of God. But actually, the moment you become Christian, that all changes. Because actually, we look up to God, and then we look out to others. See, our lives are about worship, and we express that worship in how we serve others. Now, I don't know about you, but I guess all of us have got that kind of list in our head, haven't we, of the cool gifts and then the kind of naff gifts we have in church. Um, so, um, uh, I guess you've got a kind of list of the top jobs, the kind of, you know, being a bishop, that kind of thing. A lot of you, I imagine, are aspiring to do that. Uh, and then we've got the kind of jobs at the bottom, haven't we, which I'm not going to name because that would be too embarrassing. And in church, we want the gifts at the top. We, we don't really want the gifts at the bottom. But notice the way Paul talks about these. They're all kind of jumbled together. There's no sense of one being better than the other. And the thing is, when we think like that, we can feel very proud if we've got the top gifts, the gifts that are praised in church. Or we feel very inferior, don't we, when we have just got to serve people. And the thing is, because of that, we can sit on the sidelines Either we fear not doing our gifts because we might mess up, or we don't really want to do them because they don't seem that cool. But it's as we look at the gospel, we're given a different reason to live. Our life is to be about serving. Now, how are we to do that? Well, finally, look at this. It's about transforming, not conforming. 
See, Paul uh, says in verse 2 how we're to worship. And notice where he focuses verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. See, imagine for a second that you had a virtual reality headset on. Uh, Perhaps you're wishing that right now, so you could tune out. But um, you've got this virtual reality headset, and for 24 hours a day, it's broadcasting to you uh, adverts. Imagine that. I mean, after a while, you'd lose your mind. uh, But I guess you'll be saying to yourself, I've got to stop kind of uh, listening to these things. But actually, Paul says that's quite similar to the situation we all find ourselves in. We don't wear virtual reality headsets, but we're all in this world, this age, and because of that, we're constantly shown different ways of living. Uh, We get messages, don't we, on our um, makeup adverts uh, that say, uh, because you're worth it. Uh, We watch Disney films that tell us to believe in ourselves. Uh, We watch, um, I don't know, whatever you kids watch nowadays that tell us uh, to do things our way and not listen to others. And Paul says, look, we're not to listen to that mood music, but we're to be transformed by the gospel, by our minds. See, as we look at the gospel, we see there's a whole reason that we live differently. See, in verse 3, he says that we are to compare ourselves um, against the, uh, the measure of faith. Now, what he means by that is that faith becomes our kind of um, ruler, uh, our measuring um, instrument. Uh, so, uh, you know how a ruler works, don't you? You don't need me to explain, but um, you might estimate that I'm six foot um, tall, or you might estimate I'm seven foot tall or eight foot tall. But it's as you get the ruler out, you realize that I'm actually six foot five. And Paul says that we're to get the ruler out against our lives. Now, obviously, we're not measuring our height, but we're measuring our spiritual uh, status. This is, I think, the link with the game, which was excellent. See, if we look at the gospel, we see that actually none of us deserve to worship God. None of us deserve to be serving Him. In chapter 3, he says, there's no one righteous, not even one. No one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. All have become worthless. There is no one that does good, not even one. See, God could go around this whole Uh, auditorium, he could go around the whole world, and there would be not a single person who seeks after him, except one, the Lord Jesus. But then we read that God did this. He presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. See, Jesus deserved to be served, but he didn't. He gave his life as a sacrifice for us. By the shedding of his blood, you and me can now be in right relationship with God and we can serve God, not out of fear of what he might think, but out of joy knowing that he has forgiven us in the Lord Jesus. And it's because Christ has sacrificed that it means that we now sacrifice our lives. We give our lives in worship to God. What are we to do in the gap? Well, it's about worship. I I guess lots of us are making plans for the future. Um, I don't know if you do those kind of career 
uh, planning things at school. I think I was told uh, that I was going to be um, an astronaut or something like that. Uh, but you do those kind of things, and you start to think about the future, don't you? But actually, Paul says that as we do that, we want to put worship front and center. And that means serving others, not serving ourselves. And that happens as we look at what Jesus has done in serving us. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we have the great privilege of serving your people and serving you. Father, we're sorry for when we don't uh, uh, find joy in that. And we pray that you forgive us for that. And help us, Father, to see um, this different way to our world. Please help us, Father, to be a church that serves each other, uh, not ourselves. And we pray, Father, that you would help us to do that, give us the strength, and give us the understanding through the transformation of our minds, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We have so many questions, so I can only apologize that we're only going to get to um, a small selection of those. Um, but yeah, thank you for everyone who uh, input. We'll start with the first question, um, a nice easy one for you. Uh, are all the gifts mentioned in the New Testament, brackets in this passage and elsewhere, close bracket, all gifts for today? Things like prophesying, for example. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> thank you for the question. <laughs> There's probably not an easy answer to that, and um, lots of Bible-believing Christians will come to different conclusions on that, um, so just to be aware of that. Um, I think some of the more, yes, I mean, the, the quick answer is yes, but what we mean by those gifts, I think, is, um, needs to be carefully understood. So let's take the example of prophesying, which Paul mentions here. Um, I do think uh, that continues, but I think what you mean by that actually varies. So there's prophesying in the sense of the Old Testament prophets, thus says the Lord, you must do this. Um, I don't think that's what Paul means by prophesying, uh, because if we meant that, then actually prophecies should go on top of the Bible as kind of words of God. Um, there's uh, the sense of prophecy as in, I've got a special word from God, it's kind of come to me in a dream. I'm not persuaded Paul means that kind of prophecy, but when you look at how he describes prophecy, it's something that kind of applies God's word to people in their situation. So I kind of see it a bit like um, meeting up after a service and thinking, how does this sermon apply to my friend? Um, how does it uh, apply to their lives? Now, I might be wrong on that, and lots of people might disagree with me, but I think uh, things like that do continue. We are to speak to one another and build one another up. Uh, with God's Word. But no, I don't think there's a kind of add into the Bible or anything like that. Fantastic. Great. Um, next question. Are we considered more Christian if we're able to serve more? Um, no. I think you've got to ask, what, what is a Christian? Um, and a Christian is someone who identifies with Jesus, puts their trust in Jesus, and the moment you do that, uh, whether you've been a Christian for 50 years or 50 seconds, you are completely justified. You're completely right with God that very moment. And so there's not kind of a sense of um, someone being more right with God and someone being less right with God. 
Um, so I would say that's probably not a, a, a helpful way to think of it. But saying that, I guess we can be more in sync with who we are. So um, I'm a father, but there is such a thing as a bad father and a good father, isn't there? Um, if, you know, I didn't go home tonight and I just decided to, um, I don't know, go for a drive on my own and not put my kids to bed, that would not be living... So don't look so worried, I'm not going to do that. But uh, <laughs> that wouldn't be living in accordance with who I am. And so although I'm still a father, you might say, actually, I'm not living up to, to that. Um, so I think, yes, um, we're not more right with God but there is a sense, I think, in which we reflect that more in our lives. Uh, and that's something, as I said here, is ongoing day by day. Thank you. That was a helpful illustration. As much yes. as I'm not sure where <laughs> I was going for a moment. Yeah, I couldn't um, think of what to do because everything's closed, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll try and squeeze in a couple more. Um, we have... Oh, yes. So are some gifts, such as teaching, greater gifts biblically? Oh, man, you've given some easy ones today. <laughs> um, again, it depends what we mean by greater. So greater as in might have more impact, um, might be more noticed. I guess we would say yes. Um, some gifts, uh, uh, he names are like serving, and w- no one might see those things. But it doesn't mean greater in God's eyes. All of us don't deserve to be at the party. All of us are... Uh, moral mess-ups. All of us are completely dependent on God's grace. Uh, and so while some gifts might have a kind of more of a presence, uh, if you're a bishop, more people know you. Uh, if you're serving coffee, less people might know you. Um, but actually, all are valuable. And just, it's absolutely wonderful the way Paul kind of combines them all in this list. He doesn't sort of start with bishop teaching uh, and then work his way down. He kind of jumbles them all up. And actually, in chapter 16, it's, he gives a kind of list um, of all these people that have been involved with his ministry. And, and there, he doesn't kind of name all the kind of super saints, all the preachers, but he names people like um, uh, Rufus, uh, he says, uh, chosen by the Lord and his mother, who has been a mother to me, uh, which is absolutely wonderful, isn't it? Uh, so this uh, Rufus's mother, I don't know what she was like, but she obviously looked after Paul. And he names that right in the kind of hall of fame of spiritual gifts. So, yeah, I can't remember what the question was, but I think that's no, something of an I think answer. That, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I covered the, the general gist. All right, last one. How can I serve when I'm still at school? That is a great question. Um, really good question. And the very fact you're asking that question um, is super encouraging because a lot of us, as I said, kind of imagine worship as something that happens now. And then when we go to school on Monday, it's kind of all over and we're just doing school. But actually, hopefully, you know, I get the sense you've picked up tonight that actually the whole of our lives is worship. Um, What does that look like? Well, you know, there's a thousand ways uh, it could be expressed, I guess. Um, And in some ways, we're going to look at that over the next few weeks. So um, as people come and uh, speak on these passages in the coming weeks, hopefully you'll get a clearer picture. But I guess off today's passage, you could say it looks like um, serving, doesn't it? Serving others. And Paul here is speaking about the church, but we know elsewhere that actually Jesus wants us to love God and love our neighbor. And so the big question, I guess, going into school on Monday, whenever it is, is 
to think, how does, what does it look like to do good to my neighbor, to treat them uh, like um, I would want to be treated? Now, when I went to school, I did not think that. I just thought, I've just got to survive and get through a day. And um, yeah, uh, but actually, that's a very different way to go into school, isn't it? And think, actually, how can I bring the most benefit to my neighbor? And of course, the biggest way we can do that is to tell them about the Lord Jesus. Uh, it doesn't mean we're constantly talking about that every minute, uh, but I guess as we serve them, as we share our lives, that actually we say, do you know what? The reason I do this is because Jesus served me. Fantastic. Thank Great. you very much for that. Finish you, with uh, Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll thank finish you. On that. you. You managed some nice, uh, nice easy questions today, so uh, thank you for me getting to see Rob sweat a little bit up here. That was uh, appreciated. Um, yeah, go on, Hannah.